We are in for a treat today as I am talking to Miles Latham, co-founder of Afixius and someone you probably know if you work in the independent school sector. Welcome back to I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by me. I'm Simon and I run the Bonjour Agency. If you work in an independent school, then this is the podcast for you because we don't talk about work, but we do talk to people who work in the independent school sector. Now, in this episode, I get to ask Miles about what he would do if he wasn't working in film or working with schools. I wasn't expecting the answer he gave. I can tell you that. But we also talk about things like LinkedIn, other social media channels, what he enjoys doing when he's not in a school or in the office, and three of his favourite places in the world. But we also get to find out how many films Miles has watched in his life. So take a guess now to see if you're anywhere close to what that number actually is. That's all coming up in the next 30-ish minutes. So come with me now as we step into a conversation with the co-founder of Afixius. It's Miles Latham. Miles, welcome to this episode of I'd Rather Be at the Beach. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm very well, thanks, Simon. Not bad at all. Well, it's good to have you here. Uh, we're you. recording this in the middle of September. Tell me how your summer was. Do you remember back that far? Uh, oh, God. I think it's been a strange summer, hasn't it? In, in that we haven't really had one. Um, it, it, <laughs> I, I, I did find it unbelievably uh, sort of ironic and cutting that I spent the entire summer desperately trying to entertain a, a, an overactive seven-year-old in the drizzle. And then the day he went back to school, we had this flash of Indian summer and then a first week of school, which was sort of, you know, 23 degrees and beautiful broken cloud every day. But uh, but no, it was it was it was nice. I, we, 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 we had some much needed family time and a bit of downtime and yeah, all, all in all, very nice, but very much back in the absolute thick of it now, as I'm sure everybody in the world of uh, in the world of education, and education marketing is. It's interesting that first week because the, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The weather was fantastic and much better than it had been the previous few weeks during during the summer break. I was talking to Kathy Campbell about this. I don't know if you know Kathy. Yeah, I do know Kathy well. And she she said to me that on the one hand it's a real shame that um, that it was like that, but on the other hand, and and looking at it much more positively. She said to me, Simon, isn't it a great thing for international students that may be a bit nervous, they've come across to mm. the UK, starting at a new school, a lot of them are, and their first week starting at the school, they've got great weather. Isn't that a perfect way for them to settle in? I thought that was a great way of looking at it. Yes, that, that is it's very typically Cathy, isn't it? Um, it's very, uh, very, very optimistic. The the horrible cynic in me would also be going, aha, luring them in, false sense of security. <laughs> we'll give you five days of this and then the sideways rain starts. But no, no, I think you're, you're quite right. You're quite right. So this podcast, I'd rather be at the beach. We don't talk about work on this, but have you ever been on a podcast before? I have, actually, um, and, and I, I, enjoy, I enjoy doing so. I've been invited by a couple of the wonderful schools. I know we don't talk about work, but I've been invited by a couple of the wonderful schools that I work uh, with, or for, really, to to speak uh, on on podcasts uh, about my experiences and 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 my story and in inverted commas. And I do I, I just thoroughly enjoy a good chat about stuff. So mm. yes, no, very very much very much enjoy doing that. And just for people who 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 don't know Afixius, just tell us in a nutshell what Afixius is. And and I th I think you're the, you're are you the founder or the co-founder? Uh, co-founder, yeah. Um, we're a film production company. We make films for a living, which is which is great fun most of the time. And about about a third of our work is in the world of independent and international education. We have that largely because of my personal passion for it, my love for it. I'm a frustrated teacher. Let's not beat around the bush here. I, 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 I would I would and will one day teach. And so I, I have a natural affinity for schools. I, I, I 
grew up in a household of of educators. Well, what, what, one of my parents is an educator, and so I, I sort of grew up behind the scenes in a, in a, in schools. You know, I, mm. I was I was that kid who was putting up displays in the summer holidays, mm. uh, and so I've always had this sort of affinity w- w- with schools and a, a a sort of a love for, if not necessarily a competence for academia. So uh, I, I've always had this fascination with it, and so. 2007, which is about a million years ago, when the financial backside fell out the world, we as a little video production company decided that a niche was something that would be would serve us very well. And, and, and our experiences in independent schools, because I was lucky enough to go to one, and my passion for it and our combined love of filmmaking came together. And, and uh, now it's a, it's a vitally important part of what we do as a business. Um, it's increasingly becoming a, a speciality of ours rather than a rather than a, a, a buttress, um, because the work we do in brand and agency is 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 very, very vibrant. And, and you know, we make lots of TV adverts and above the line campaigns and, and, and things like that. But basically, if it's on a screen and it moves, um, we're interested in making it. And um, yeah, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by filmmakers who are infinitely better than, than I am or indeed ever was. So I'm dying to ask, if you went into teaching, what would you want to teach and what age group would you want to teach? I have an extremely specific answer to this. I, I would like to teach philosophy to 11-year-olds. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Where did that come from, Miles? Well, my my academic background is in philosophy and theology. So I I fell in love with, certainly with philosophical reasoning, and then with what I thought was theology. I'll come back to that as a very amusing story. Uh, A-level, at the school I, I, I went to. Which school was this, actually, just for people who are listening who are wondering that right now? <laughs> I went to Ratcliffe College in Leicestershire, which is okay. a, a and Catholic. When I joined it, it was a 10 to 18 school it's now a 3 to 18 through school and thriving may I add at that and I live less than a mile from Ratcliffe as, as the crow flies now so um, I'm, I, I still have a fair bit to do with the college but I fell in love with with what was called theology as, a, as an A-level subject now I, I don't want to be I don't want to be unkind to a school that did wonderful things for me but it wasn't theology in the slightest mm-hmm. and they, I think they called it theology because it was a Catholic school and it would it would be it would be good <laughs> if they had a theology course um, but in, in in truth what we did was and a lot of other people listening to this I'm sure did the same thing we did a dual course of the f- philosophy of religion loosely speaking the philosophy of Christian religion really and ethics as, as, as two things and alongside the work I was doing in media and media studies as was I I intellectually it absolutely brought me to life doing 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 that stuff um, and so as far as I was concerned this idea of going and doing theology at university was absolutely awesome obviously theology it, it is is not the philosophy of religion they are two very distinct subjects and so when i arrived at university without a bible may i add a crucial point here so I turned up at university without a bible to read theology and was sort of promptly handed a, a copy of mark's gospel in greek and told to get cracking it was a bit of a bump down to earth i thought i was going to be proving and disproving the existence of god for three years but i very quickly actually realized that i thoroughly enjoyed what actual theology was as well i really like that as well which is very fortunate but no but my as a result my 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 sort of academic background has always been in this world of 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 philosophy theology and indeed the crossovers between the two and i have had few more fun times in my life 
than when I've got into uh, little spa- philosophical sparring matches with kids. It's great fun. And uh, I, I remember doing this thing years ago as a, as a little experiment where I'd got a load of kids, school I was working for. I got a load of kids, 11-year-old kids in a room. I think they were year sixes. And I stuck a £20 note in the middle of the table, which then was a lot of money. Now it won't buy you a Freddo, but then it was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I said, right, it's a little bit cheeky, but it was good fun. And I put it down. I said, right, anyone who can prove God doesn't exist gets that £20 note. Mm-hmm. And these kids just went. And it's it's awesome because they're so wonderfully uninhibited at that age. Mm. But they're still bright little buttons. And they've they've got enough ability to to verbalize and, and, and so on, particularly bright kids. And um, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit mean because there's a sort of semi trained theologian. You can sort of bat things off and go, ah, yes, but and you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't. Matter. Yeah. But the the intellectual energy in the room was just immense mm. absolutely immense and there is nowhere near enough critical thinking and philosophical thinking and the power of debate and the use of logic and so on and so forth particularly in the national curriculum but but across the board and so i i would absolutely love yeah one day to to teach the basics of philosophical thought and some of the the, the, the real core tenets of of, uh, of philosophy to uh, kids at the age of end of key stage two. Incredible! I, I really w- was not expecting that. I don't think people listening to this were expecting that either. <laughs> apart from those who know you already. Sometimes, of course, people study theology and then they go on to work in the church. And of mm. course, Ratcliffe, you mentioned, was Catholic as well. Mm. Do you have a faith in that case? I don't. Uh, I, I don't carry a faith, but I am. I am suspiciously constantly attracted to it, oh. and I and I think that I think I don't know maybe maybe I'm building up to some later life epiphany. Who knows? Um, A Damascus I, I, experience, yeah, mean. potentially. <laughs> uh, if one can get those in Loughborough, I don't know. Um, but um, <laughs> but but yeah, don't so, say that when I'm drinking water. <laughs> sorry, uh, but yeah, maybe something like that. But no, I I, I am I am perpetually fascinated by mm. faith and and the Christian faith particularly. Because it's what I was surrounded by, as particularly as a kid. But at the same time, I have far, I have infinitely more time for faith than I do for sort of extreme uh, fundamentalist atheism. You're kind mm. of Dork, you kind of Dawkins territory. Mm-hmm. I've no, I've no very little truck with that whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. Would I convert that into being a practicing member of a faith? Probably not. Um, but from a philosophical and sort of self reflection and, and 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 reflecting, this has got really deep, hasn't it? it um, has been, so, yeah, yeah it's it has now. Yeah, I can say I'm not even drunk yet. It's remarkable. <laughs> um, I, I get, getting, yeah, I, I would, I would always, I would always err uh, more to belief in in a higher than i would to a sort of anthrocentric mm. you know this is it we are it mm. we are the center of it all type thing but anyway th- this is why i find it so interesting because there's sort of no right and wrong you know you can you can get the dates of when kant was born wrong but b- beyond that there's 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 very little that's right and wrong in 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 this uh, and that's always sort of suited my my enjoyment of debate but it's quite fun asking you questions like this because it's almost a bit of a taboo subject these days, isn't it? You know, mm. asking someone oh, yeah, ab- about their faith or, you know, I mean, you know, 50 years ago, it would have been quite normal for people to talk about it. Whereas these mm. days, it, it's it's almost seen as quite extreme in some senses. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And, and and yet, you know, without getting too sort of modern and sociological, uh, you know, we're, we're in an age at the moment where 
anybody who knows anything about religion will notice that the core tenets of religious faith that, that have been sort of largely and quite often quite disrespectfully poo-pooed by secular society as being, you know, worshipping spaghetti monsters in the sky and all of these sort of, again, Dawkins-esque sort of phrases, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, have, have been replaced by other forms of what look suspiciously like religions, mm -hmm. um, if you look at them carefully, um, in terms of social movements and, you know, we are, we are currently living in a doomsday cult uh, to a certain degree. It's very interesting. There's a, there's a book called Dominion, by Tom Holland, which I okay. would recommend everybody in the world reads. Because Tell me it, why. Because it does this, it's it's, a, it's basically a book in two halves, a two-act book, really. It's, it's a very good and well-written and particularly well-edited potted history of Christianity, by and large, from about, about 50 BC, which sounds mm -hmm. like a strange place to start a, a history of Christianity, but it, it is the right place to start up until the early 20th century. And it does a very, very good job of sort of positioning Christian thought and the, the, where Christian thought had been and gone and how it influenced society. But then what it does is the second act of the book takes an awful lot of modern contemporary uh, forms of thought or social movements or whatever they may be, and draws these incredibly clever lines mm. back to the fact that they are actually all fundamentally born on Christian concepts, oh, okay. um, whether you realise them or not, and, and, and either that they're born on Christian concepts or born from Christian concepts, or that they are standing on the shoulders of Christian concepts, whether mm. they realise them or not, i.e. Christianity has been here and done this, mm. you know, we've done you know, we've done the end of the world is nigh several times. Uh, you know, we've we've done reformation and counter reformation. You know, we've done. Uh, I say we. Christianity has done. You know, squaring up with science and mm -hmm. and and working out how that how that works, uh, and and following some of those things to extremes, which sort of uh, uh, believe it or not, actually ends up in certain political extremes. So it's it it, it does a very good job of showing that religion and faith is fundamentally part of the fabric of how human society works mm. and uh, whether we like it or not because of a history and b the human condition and that just by the world becoming a bit more secular doesn't remove the foundational pillars that have been put in place by mm. 2000 years of christian history but yeah it's it's a dominion by tom holland brilliant writer um you can get it as an audiobook awesome bye now okay all right. <laughs> Worth checking out for sure. I I've got a question here that I was going to be asking you, but I think I know the answer to it already, which is <laughs> if you could start your career again, but you're not allowed to work in film or, or working with schools, then what would you choose? And I'm going to guess that you'd say you'd go straight into teaching 11-year-olds theology. <laughs> Probably. Because yes, I would teach. I'd love to teach. But if you had to take schools out of the equation entirely, it'd almost certainly be something around food. Food. Yeah, and, and, and you know, absolute dream job. I'd probably like to be Jay Rayner. I'm nowhere near as clever and witty mm. and, and, and musically able as, as he is. But to be able to eat amazing food and then write wittily about it, I don't, mm. I, I don't, I don't give me a, describe a better job. I mean, come mm. on. Mm. Um, and I spend a huge amount of my time writing and, and the use of the English language. I, I just think, I just find great fun written and 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 spoken and yeah to combine that with with uh with one of my other real loves in life which is which is food and drink would would be wonderful it's interesting you mentioned about writing because whenever i see you post anything on linkedin it's it's usually slightly longer than most mm. and it usually gets quite a lot of traction as well 
But that said, you don't strike me as a social media kind of person. <laughs> Have you got a bit of a love-hate thing with LinkedIn? I, I think I do, yeah. Um, I, let's start off by getting the pragmatics out of the way, right? <laughs> Which is that LinkedIn is is by far and away the best way of speaking to a B2B audience. There's mm. no two ways about it. And um, like probably everybody listening to, to, to this, all four of you, I, I, I have a mortgage to pay and, <laughs> and you know, generating business uh, is, is, a, is obviously a key part of what I have to do. And, and, and so having exposure directly to the audience um, through things like LinkedIn is, is vitally important. But one of the things that, endears me more to LinkedIn than, than perhaps to other uh, forms of social media is that I do think there's just that little bit more room for nuance, intelligence, balanced thought. Um, mm -hmm. Not always, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sigh and I roll my eyes when I see people bringing things which are clearly you know, at best Facebook worthy into LinkedIn because it's, it's, uh, it's pretty tiresome at times. But by and large, you can you can speak intelligently and you can speak with a with a with a little bit more time and a bit more nuance and it's not this kind of 144 character mentality i i also think that people are, are always trying to be desperately reductive in life right people are always trying to make things out to be simple and bite size and straightforward well, the reality is that life is really bloody complicated right. in, in every conceivable form, personally, professionally, whatever it may be. And sometimes things need a little bit more explaining. <laughs> um, and so I've always been a fan of, you know, explain stuff better. And if other people don't have the, the time or inclination to consume that information, then that's, that's, that's their prerogative, not mine. Um, so, yeah, I would always rather say a little more and say it with a little more depth. And I think LinkedIn allows you to do that. But but you know, by and large, I'm, you know, I'm not a TikToker and so on. So yeah, bar keeping up with sport and looking at cool recipes on Instagram, like it's, it's, uh, LinkedIn is, 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 is there to, to do a bit of hard work, but hopefully we can entertain every now and then. I do think everyone takes work really bloody seriously and far mm. too seriously a lot of the time. So mm. I, I don't think there's enough smiling going on. You mentioned about using LinkedIn for essentially for, for generating business and mm. It's it's true. I mean, when people are active on LinkedIn, it's usually because they're 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 generating business, or they are looking for another job, or lining themselves up for the time when they are looking for another job. It tends to be one or or the, or the other. Mm. But when it comes to you running your own business and running your own venture, do you, do you prefer the business of running a business, or do you prefer the art of filmmaking? Well, I, I'm I don't consider myself a businessman, and at best, I was a self taught video maker I, mm -hmm. I, I set i set to fix you up when i was in year 11. i, I was 16 years old when mm -hmm. when myself and tim my business partner set this up and, and and we set it up because of this sort of intersection of a venn diagram between loving making films and wanting some more pocket money <laughs> um and 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 so you know we'd we'd been we'd been mucking around making films and and then we decided to to, to ask local businesses if they wanted videos making because we mm. were like, well, 50 quid's a lot of money. And, uh, you know, the first ever video we ever made was for an engineering company just outside Leicester who'd been quoted 32 grand to make a, a, <laughs> a, a, a corporate video about a, a, about a, a drill, 
mm. which in those days was the going rate. You know, that was mm. that was what these things cost. Uh, we were like, we'll do it for 50 quid. And I mm. think they took the attitude that they could they could do it, you know, 640 times or whatever uh, with us and, and still not spend the same amount of money. But what we made was perfectly good. And that, and that kind of followed on from there. But we needed to get paid. And so they were like, oh, we can't pay people. We can't pay individuals, particularly small children. Uh, we need to be able to pay a business. <laughs> so we had to go and get a bank account and all those kind of silly things like that. And, and so... The, the the running a business side of it for us has either been a has, has always been a combination of either and this is 80 percent of it horrendous trial and error mm-hmm. you know d- doing things making shocking mistakes and being fortunate enough or bullish enough to to, to get away with it and to be able to learn from it and, and not make the same mistake twice and then a 20 percent instinct you know and, and and what did we think would be right at any one given time mm. you know i find HR unbelievably stressful. There is nothing I hate more than finance meetings. You know, the the, the generation of a, of admin is is just nightmarish. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm 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 so happy when I'm writing, and I spend mm. a huge amount of my time writing, be it creative treatments or scripts or brand reports or brand narratives or whatever it may be that I'm doing with schools. I just adore it because it's it's far more in that it, it, more in that artistic mm. realm. But unfortunately, well, no, fortunately for the good of my company, I've no idea how to use any of the kit that we have anymore. I was an editor by original training. I, I could barely start the application now that the, that the guys and girls next door are using. So, um, but is that because I, you've been stepping away from it slowly or because it's been developing and and they, they've been bringing more tools to the party? Kind of both, really. I mean, I've, I've been, you know, my mandate has been for the past you know, nearly 20 years now has been to grow the business bring bring work to us and, and then execute that work to the highest possible standard which as an exec producer which is sort of my job title it is not a technical role you know mm. i'm not i'm not there there are people who are infinitely better at pressing the buttons than, than, than i am um i still love sitting with an editor mm. sitting with with any of the guys or girls next door and 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 working with them on the craft of putting an edit together but i don't know what button to press to make it happen and therein i suppose lies a bit of a bit of a difference so yes mm. i i there is a there is a regular running joke in Aphixius that um my my technical capacity uh, runs as far as text edit uh, on on mac os um, <laughs> and that uh, and that if you take me if you take me anywhere outside of text edit you're in trouble um, yeah. but my god am i good in text edit i will say that i am <laughs> I am, I am, yeah, I am sort of deity level when it comes to text edit. So tell me then, when you're watching a movie, say it's, sorry, movie or film, depending whether you're younger or older or American or not. <laughs> um, but okay, so when you're watching a film, do you find that your work gets in the way of the film? Do you find that you're looking at the directing style of, of a Martin Scorsese film or something like that and you're critiquing it and that it's getting in the way of enjoying the film itself? It can do, but more often than not, it actually enhances it. Mm. Um, because you have a level of appreciation for it? Yeah, precisely. So the, the other big running in-joke, you've managed to stumble on both of them, the other big running in-joke in Aphixius is that I am the worst read filmmaker <laughs> on the planet, right? <laughs> okay. I reckon, and this is not me being sort of flippantly exaggerating, mm. I reckon I've seen 25 films in my life. Right? 25? If that. 
I don't watch films. I don't have the attention span. And wow. I, I, I didn't grow up in a household where we went to the cinema. Neither me more, nor my wife are particularly bothered about like long format films. It's just mm-hmm. we're like we're both sports mad. So if there's some sport on the telly, we'll, we'll always put sport on. And if not, then it's MasterChef or something else to do with cooking. Uh, we're not really big telly watchers, to be honest. Uh, and so most of the films... I've watched the most films in my life on planes. That's where mm-hmm. I've consumed most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now going to the cinema more, but only because I've got a seven-year-old. And so I get to go and see um, stuff that's, that's, that pertains to him. Mm-hmm. However, the film, therefore, the films that I have watched tends to be things that have, have been like seriously recommended to me mm-hmm. or are extremely famous for being extremely good, right? And so when I then come to watch these things... I can hopefully I can appreciate the art more mm. um, of what's going on, and and that appreciation for me is actually a real thrill. I, I I love that. I love being able to go. You know what? That's been beautifully executed. Mm. My problem is with adverts. Right? Uh, you do okay. not want to be in a room with me when there are television adverts. Right. On. Now, don't, I will always give credit where it's due, right? And when your John Lewis's and your IKEAs and and and, and people like that are producing jaw-dropping pieces of work i i'm i'm the first to to share them internally and 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 to and to 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 shout about how great they are uh but bad advertising man that winds me up particularly Mm -hmm. when it's for good brands it it it, it's we 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 sort of arrive back at my fundamental ranty premise within the within the independent school sector which is you know please stop making bad videos about good schools and the same applies for me with advertising so i'm i'm really bad when it when it comes to those things but the my my appreciation of of the art of filmmaking Hmm. is is i think heightened by what i do so like um this is a, a stupid example but a but a good one the most recent film i've seen which I think it might be possibly the best animated film I've ever seen. Oh. Possibly. Or mm-hmm. at least it's up there, right? It's right up there. And if you haven't seen it yet, go, go and see it. It's the Super Mario Brothers film, right? I was not expecting that. Okay. It is brilliant. I took Jack to see it, my, my little boy. I took him to see it. And it's very, very good in lots of ways. Like technically it's superbly animated, which, which you'd expect. You know, the best thing about that film go is, on. The, is the soundtrack. It is. I, I have a. I have a love of music, which underlies all of this, particularly music theory. I've got real love for music theory. I think because it's kind of slightly philosophical in a weird way. But the 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 score for the Super Mario Brothers movie was written by a guy called Brian Tyler, and it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant to have taken the core themes of music, which was written for eight bit, mm-hmm. um, you know, eight bit console gaming, and and it's that's one of the fascinating things. I say it's fascinating. God, this is getting really geeky. Um, uh, the Super Mario Brothers theme, I think, is one of the best pieces of computer game music ever written. Mm. And it is, it's an amazing piece of um, South American Latin music mm-hmm. written, written by a Japanese guy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> right. It's, it's okay. wicked. If you, de- if you delve into it, it's, that's what it is, because it's kind mm. of swing, but written by a Japanese guy. But then Brian Tyler's taken it and put it into kind of Hans Zimmer orchestral mode and like Mm. just to bring those three things together is absolutely wicked anyway sorry it's a great film you know what there's a there's a guy i follow on youtube who's an american pianist and he's charles cornell yes that's right yeah Yeah. Uh, i I couldn't think of his name i Uh, love charles cornell to pieces yeah i think he's amazing he's he's brilliant i mean he's very very enthusiastic 
but he talked about the there's a song that Jack Black sings in Super Mario, isn't there? Called Peaches, yeah, and that, he breaks it. he breaks it down, yeah. And he and he talks about how actually technically it's a really it's good, a really good song. Uh, yeah, Charles Cornell does an amazing piece on the origins of the Super Mario theme. Go go okay. go watch that. Go watch that later. It's, it's I, brilliant. I haven't seen that. I'm going to watch that straight after. Yeah, this it's recording. brilliant. And and he goes he goes proper deep into the musical theory behind it. And mm. like yeah. It's wicked. I'm, mm, I'm, I'm mm. meeting more and more people who know Charles Cornell. That's good to know. Yeah, well, he, he's getting more and more of a following on, on YouTube. Mm. And, and he's good at what he does. And this oh, is a great, great thing about YouTube, of course. Yeah, mm. he does a very, very good job of bridging the unbelievable complexity of musical theory mm. and being able to speak to an audience who don't know anywhere near as much as him, but know mm. just enough to be able to appreciate it. And yeah. that's clever. That's very clever. Yeah, because I don't play the piano. I've never played the piano. I've no. got actually, I mean, I'd, I'd love to be able to play the piano, but... Why I watch him? Why I watch his videos? He's enthusiastic about it, and he teaches me stuff. Yeah. So I I find it entertaining and educational at the same time. I would agree. Mm. Miles, tell me three places you've been, either in the world or somewhere in the UK. Just three places that that you've loved. My happy place Ooh. is Trent Bridge Cricket Ground in Nottingham. Okay, right. Anybody who knows, who has a um, misfortune of knowing me in any meaningful way will, will, will know that I'm a, a great lover of cricket. And um, a few years ago, we've been, we've been working in the world of cricket for many years now as, uh, as, as, a, as an agency. And a few years ago now, one of our very long-standing clients, Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club, who, who I support, came to us and said, look, we'd, we'd actually quite like to strike a commercial deal with you. Would you like to be the shirt sponsors for our mm-hmm. T20 cricket team? the back of shirt sponsors. Hmm. And I don't think there's ever been an award or a, or, or a gong or a certificate or, or, or anything that's meant anywhere near as much to me and mm-hmm. to Tim, my business partner, mm-hmm. as seeing kids running around Trent Bridge on match days with mm-hmm. Asphyxious films on their back. Okay, yeah. That's bordering surreal to me because I grew up playing cricket I was Mm. I was I was in the I was in county setups and so on until I was 16 17 cricket has been a massive massive part of my life and so to not only have this 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 opportunity presented to us by Trent Bridge but then I've never met a sporting organization a as well run and b as generous with its time its hospitality its Mm -hmm. customer service as Trent Bridge it is a remarkable place there's a reason it tends to come out as the best experiential test cricket ground as in you know you can go to lords and it's very spectacular but you don't feel anywhere near as loved as you do when you go to Trebridge. Mm, and so i spend an enormous amount of my summers or as much as i possibly can at Trebridge. and and like i say that the level to which they look after me and they look after my family you know my 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 little boy has got you know signed things in his bedroom we, mm. we, we you know we're very kindly offered the chance to go and you know, experience really nice things at the ground. And, and there's an incredible restaurant that most people don't know about. There's a there's a restaurant on the top of the Radcliffe Road stand at, at, at Trent Bridge called Six, somewhat mm-hmm. understandably, which is this enormous glass box. And it is that close to a Michelin star. Okay. And it has probably the best whiskey bar in the East Midlands <laughs> as well, which I'm a big fan of. And sitting up there, I've had a couple of nights where, again, we've been very kindly invited to go there. And, and sitting up in the gods, looking down at, at the cricket, eating world-class food. Uh, that's, yeah, 
if I only had an hour left, I'd want you to wheel me there and just <laughs> leave, 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 leave me there. So Tr- Trentbridge is my absolute happy place. I have an unbelievable soft spot for Valencia in okay. Spain. Never been there before. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend Valencia highly enough. Okay. It's a stunning city. It's, um, it's not very big, which helps. But culturally, and again, the God, the food, the food and the wine in, in Valencia is... is a bit of a is, food theme going the on chart. here, There is there? a big food theme going mm. on here. Uh, is, is absolutely off the chart. And, and me and my wife went to Valencia after a slightly choppy time in my life, personally. And it, it's very symbolic for me of, of, a, of, a, of a place of kind of, without getting too ethereal, kind of a bit of a place of healing and, and, a, and, a, and a place of just, of just joy. I, mm. Joy. I, I think it's what's most pressing about, or, or telling is the right word there, what's, what's most telling about our and my love of Valencia is that we've never been able to bring ourselves to go back again. Really? Because I think we're both so scared of it not being as good. Okay, yeah. Because we both have these unbelievable memories of the, the, the week that we spent in Valencia. And, and don't get me wrong, we were like, we were kids. We were in our mid-twenties. Uh, we did it on a shoestring because like most mid-twenty-year-olds didn't have two pennies thrown together. But yeah, it, it even some of the, I can remember some of the flavours of, of, you know, of, of things that we did. I can remember, um, you know, Casa Montaña, which was the, the, the tapas bar that we, that we spent an evening in, which was a wine and tapas bar. And again, one of the most fascinating places I've ever been. I could draw you a map now where that was, you know, like yeah, okay, got that, yeah. that level of memory. So yeah, Valencia is a really cool place. And uh, you asked for three, so I'll give you a third. The third one for me was a, was a work one. I only got the chance to go there because of work. It is not a place that, in a month of Sundays, I would ever considered going to, and yet it absolutely stole my heart. And it was Panama. Gosh, Panama okay. is in Central America. Mm. We did a we did a job many many years ago now for an international schools group, who had school in London, and then schools all over the world. But um, they had these particular ones in in Panama, Panama City, in uh, Bogota, in Colombia, which we went on to mm-hmm. after Panama, and in Montenegro, I think there's another one. I didn't go to Montenegro, but I went to Panama and I went to and I went to Colombia. And Panama is an incredible place. We went and saw the Panama Canal, which is just you have to see that thing to believe it really mm. exists. That that humanity has managed to, to <laughs> that we dug it out. That we got yeah, that we've cut this channel between <laughs> two oceans. It's just absolutely freaking remarkable. But yeah, it's it's a it's a crazy crazy place. I could I could do a whole half hour on Panama. It's weird. Mm. It's 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 a it's, it's actually got a lot of money in Panama because the Panama Canal generates this vast, sure vast mm. sum of money. And and yet the people are unbelievably chilled out, mm. <laughs> uh, like unbelievably laid back. There's a lot of sloths in Panama and I, and I can mm. see why. They're just, everyone's very chilled. But yeah, it was a, it was such a cool place. And I, I would love to go back there. I'd love to go back there with a few, with a few pounds in my back pocket and actually uh, do, it, do it properly. But for the brief period I spent there, yeah, if you if you're looking for slightly weird and off the wall holiday mm. destinations, mm-hmm. Panama. Okay, so that's three that you've been to that you enjoyed. Tell me yeah. three places you haven't been to that you'd like to go to. Ooh, right. I'm going to give you. A, there's going to be a theme with this, and it's already come up once. It's not food. It's the other one. Okay. I would one day love to have the time. It's mainly the time and the money as well, but the time to watch England play Test cricket abroad. And so the answer to that very good question would be to go to uh, Australia for the Ashes, to go to South Africa to watch us play cricket, and then to combine two of my loves. I would love to go to Sri Lanka. 
and watch us play cricket and eat as much Sri Lankan food as mm-hmm. I possibly could because my 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 biggest outlet outside of work is cooking and my most favorite cuisine in the world to cook uh, is South Asian and so yeah to go and experience both of those at the same time would would be would be truly remarkable as as almost everybody I think in the modern world we're also time poor mm. and the thought of going and doing all of these things is only ever hampered I think most of the time by time mm. and particularly when you're an owner manager you know when you when you run your own business agency whatever it may be and there's no such thing as annual leave you, mm. you know you either drum up enough willpower to to not go to work <laughs> but there's no such thing as you you know you you are quote unquote allowed to take off x amount of time mm. that, that that doesn't that has no meaning to me when there are in my case 18 people depending on me for their livelihoods so yeah it's it's time but who knows one day one day Miles, keeping an eye on on that very thing actually is 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 time. Um, if anyone's been listening to this and wants to get in touch with you, what's the way they should do that? Should it be through LinkedIn or emailing you direct? <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty public. Uh, I don't tend to hide. I'm not one of these people who's like mega sort of privacy driven when it comes to things. So you could you could by and large just Google me and I'll, and you'll 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 find a way. As again with all owner managers, um, I am perpetually attached to this damn thing mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm pretty much constantly available email is always is always a, a good way i'm miles at afixius.com afixius is a weird word you'll have to look it up how to spell it um two f's and I, two x's two, from two, f's, two x's well done that man mm. but yeah i'm always very active on linkedin and so on and so forth as well so um and i and i, I do enjoy getting in touch with new people through through linkedin it's good fun well we'll put a link to your linkedin profile in the show Thank notes you. But in the meantime, Miles, thank you for being here today. It's been really good talking to you, especially talking about non-work things and finding out more about you when you're not at work. But thank you very much for your time. Uh, thanks, Simon. It's been, it's been a real pleasure as ever. So that was Miles Latham, co-founder of Aphixius and an altogether interesting guy. Theology, philosophy, 25 films in his life, Super Mario Brothers. I found out things today that I wasn't expecting. Miles, I know you'll be listening. Thank you for taking the time out to talk. I know it's a busy time of year for you, so I really do appreciate it. Now, if you are listening to this right now, and if you would like to be a guest on a future episode, then do drop me a message. I'm Simon at thebonjouragency.com. We make podcasts for school marketing to help connect you with your school community to drive up new inquiries from prospective parents. To find out more, check out the website www.thebonjouragency.com or just give me a call. I'm on 020-7858-2246. But in the meantime, the next episode is coming out soon. So click that option to follow or subscribe, and it just means you won't miss it. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.